All right. So, what have we been studying? And what did you talk about last week? Patience. What about patience? We talked about what it meant. What's it mean? <laughs> Getting. Okay. Being patient with other people, that's good. Abby? Being like, like you're good with like waiting for things. Oh yeah. Okay, good with yes. waiting for things in... Not complaining. Yes. Being content. Being content. That's probably a good word for that. What was Abby talking about? Like when you pray or something and like Okay. Yes. And we talked about how Job was somewhat of a good example for that. Okay, what about him was good? What did he do that was good? Alright. Good. Hi girls, how are you? You guys haven't been here in a while. I know. Been working? Um, Alright, well good that you are here. So, we are working our way through the fruits of the Spirit, and we're just doing review right now. Okay, so what did you talk about before that? This is like... Yeah, a month ago. It's easy though, right? Because they're in order. So what about peace? We talked about how some people are dead are usually at peace with the world. What? We talked about sometimes when we talk about peace, we said that sometimes people are there at peace with the world of God. Okay. Expand on that. What do you mean by that? It means that they're finally at peace, basically. I can't really expand on that much. Okay. Somebody else. What about peace? How do you exercise that in your life? Okay, is that all that that means? What else does it mean? I don't think a lot I know, it was a very long time ago because it was before our um, break for the month of August. So... What's another way that you can have peace besides the absence of violence? What else does peace mean? Not worrying, being anxious about whatever, anything. Okay, right. Not being anxious, being um, being confident that God is in control of everything that's happening, right? Okay. Uh, what about joy? Tell me about joy. Yes, it's greater than happiness. Remember, how about maybe this will help you? We had. 
We have Joy, then we have... I remember peace, love, and patience after that. Does that ring a bell? Can somebody explain? It sounds like a teeny bit good because most of the time, because I remember when we were talking about the law, like three months ago, and how we said in the word of God, most of the time we were talking about like Evan said two months ago, which brings joy through the hard work. Okay, yes. What does all this have to do with? What's who's involved in that cycle besides you? God. God, right? Okay. Where so who do you who are you grateful to? God. God, okay. And when you're expressing that gratefulness to God, it's because you love God. Okay. All right. And that brings you joy. Okay, remember we've talked about how all these things are tied together. All right, and that um, then that joy makes you grateful. Makes you grateful. Okay, there are all things that are tied together here. Okay, um, and then we talked about the first spirit we went over was love, the first fruit of the spirit. What about love? Audrey, what does love mean? Define it. I know you got like the hardest question ever, right? Okay, right. So it's so that would mean that love is not a feeling, right? It's not now it now feelings and emotions can come out of love, but that's not what it's based in. So what is what is I guess the ultimate way of expressing love for someone? Being selfless, right? And what did Jesus say that was the ultimate expression of love? Yes, laying down your life for someone else, which is what he did, right? So he did the ultimate expression of love when he died for us. Okay, good. We're getting caught up here. So tonight we are going to talk about gentleness. That's the one we're going to look at. Which is very much overlooked. If you think of the fruits of the Spirit, that's probably not the one that you would say, ooh, that one's super important. 
probably one of the ones that you forget if you're listing them off, unless you know the song. Like I know some of you guys know the song, so that helps you. Um, but so we are in Galatians chapter five. If you want to turn there, and we are looking at verse twenty-two and twenty-three primarily for our series, but we've been all through this chapter so far. Yep, we've been all over the Bible, and we'll continue to pull from different areas. Um, let's start at this end of the table with Felicia, and we'll read verses 22 and 23 just to refresh ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Okay, somebody remind me what that last phrase of the verse Gabe read means. We've talked about that numerous times throughout this series. Nobody can take these freedoms to be these things away from you, or to be or do or act on these. Okay, yes. No, just like um, nobody can tell you what to believe, or nobody can tell you you're not allowed to pray, right? Yeah, because freedom of religions. Right, yes, but even if it was against the law, let's say you're in a different country where you can't, you're not supposed to pray to God. No, it's going to tell you, you can't be happy. You can't love other people. Right. You can't be happy. Right. No, nobody makes a law against those things, okay? And so you are capable of expressing these. And really, if you think about it, what, why would you even want to live in a world without these fruits? No one would. No one would, right? No one wants to live um, even in a society without these things in it. All right. Or the possibility of these things. So, if you were, so we're doing gentleness tonight. If you were to describe somebody who is gentle, how would you describe that to me? Probably say that they were caring and kind. Okay, caring and kind. What else? How else would you describe somebody who is gentle? They like aren't like rough with things. Okay, what's the positive? Gentle. Just word. <laughs> What's the, what would be an opposite of rough? Careful. And like I can we, we have caring down. Sensitive. Okay. I'm going to put it down. Weak. Weak. Who said that? You are That's good. Madison, how would you describe somebody who's gentle? It's your description. You can't be wrong. Like they're like kind of intense. Like they don't speak bad about people. Okay. I like that. 
um, kind with their words. What else? Anybody have anything else that we haven't put up there? Abby. Oh, that's good. Anything else? Humble. Humble, that's good. Was that you, Emma? Yeah. We got everything. Ready to move on? Yeah, okay. Okay. So, um, some of these things up here that describe this person, whoever you're picturing or people or just whatever, would you say that they are weak? No. <laughs> No, because Levi is definitely not weak. Okay. And I don't mean, like, physically weak. I mean, like, weak in character. No. Would some people describe that as weakness? Yes. I'm glad a lot of you do not think that that means that they are weak. But in the world we live in, a lot of times... You would say, if somebody is sensitive, they're weak. All right? Right? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, that would be how a lot of people would see it. Or if you um, are not forceful, you're a weak person. Now, listen, about, listen to that, though. Think about, let's even think about just in... The workplace. I know not all of you have jobs. Some of you have jobs. Some of you have had jobs. If you go into a job interview or in certain aspects of your job, if you're not forceful, you might be seen as the weak candidate or as not the best person. You should have been more, more pushy and more... I'm gonna get yeah. that job. Yeah, like if you like if you're trying to join the army, you'd have to be more forceful, otherwise you would be a weakest. Okay. Alright. So just keep that in mind. Well we will swing back around to that, but I just want you to keep that in your mind as we move along. So continuing on with this definition, because this one is kind of a tough one. Because I thought about it and I was like, okay, but what does that really mean? Because if you're told, if you follow God, if you have Jesus in your heart, then you should express gentleness. That should be one of the fruits that comes off of your tree. What does that look like in your life? And I don't always do this. And it's kind of, I'll be honest, it's kind of annoying sometimes when preachers or teachers talk about, this is what the Greek word means. Okay, it kind of is sometimes, but yep, I'm going to go there. 
because I did go there to try to figure it out. I wanted to make sure, and especially when we're given one word and we're not given examples, sometimes that's helpful. And the actual Greek word that Paul uses here is, hopefully I say this right, but it's krasos. And that means, according to Strong's Concordance, which is like a dictionary for the Bible. And, and it uses, it'll have both Hebrew and Greek words in there and all that kind of stuff. Very helpful if you ever need it. And this word means to be useful, gentle, which that's why the King James pulled that out. Pleasant, kind, better. Thought that was interesting. Easy and gracious. So that paints a little bit more of a picture for us. And you guys were good. You got some of those in there. The kind. Well, we got the kind. But um, some of these explained it more, like kind with their words. All right, that was good. That kind of explains more, like gracious. You guys know what gracious means? What'd you say? Giving, giving what? Somebody else help that. Kind. You could be. Yep. Well, let's think. What's the root word for gracious? Grace. Yes. You are giving someone essentially the benefit of the doubt. You know what that means? Everyone knows what that means, right? You're not assuming things about people. When they do something that kind of rubs you the wrong way, you say, well, I really don't know what their motivation behind that was. Maybe they had good intentions behind that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go one step further, though, because believe it or not, this word has its own root word in Greek. I know, very confusing. There's a lot of things coming down here, which is... This one's even, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but it's cra, um, or wait, hmm. I'm just going to write it up here for you guys, C-H-R-A-O-M-I-O-A-I, and it's like, it's like karam, uh, kraomi, or something like that. And so what this word means is to receive, alone, or borrow. And it also means to use or to make use of a thing, to furnish what is needed. So I thought that was an interesting little aspect to this, that the root of it is like you are offering something of yourself. You are giving someone a loan, but not with the intention of interest. All right, you're letting someone borrow something, right? Because when you let someone borrow something, you're not saying, well, you're really renting it from me. You have to give me $5 when you return it, right? You're just saying, here, take and use this and bring it back. That's all I want is I want it back when you're done with it. 
borrow it. It also, and it says to use or to make use of a thing. So to make yourself useful. All that going back to gentleness. So, thought of this, go back to the kindness that also has to do with using things um, and to borrow. When you if picture if there are two toddlers, think of like toddlers that can't, they only know a couple words yet. They're really, they might understand what you say, but they aren't, they don't talk a lot yet. Picture that there's two of them. One of them has two cookies. And you say to that toddler with the cookies, you say, be kind. What are your, what are you expecting them to do? <laughs> That's probably what they're going to do, right? Yeah, but most likely you expect them to share. Right, you're expecting them to share, to give the other one who doesn't have any, give them something. Okay? They probably are just going to show both of them all things with him. Probably, probably. But the implication is that you, you're asking them by saying, now be kind is to treat the other person how they would want to be treated. You're asking them to be gentle to that other kid. Now, I want you to think of another thing. Think of, in your mind, the most annoying person you know. Don't say who it is. Okay, just keep that in your mind. Close your mouth. Just think in your mind. The most annoying person to you, and just somebody who really grind, makes you grind your teeth when you are with them. Everyone got one? At least four A couple. It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to say who it is. It's all right. How hard is it for you to make that person or to make the make your interaction with them something that they enjoy. Something that makes them want to say, wow, I really like that person and I'd like to spend more time with them. Nearly impossible. It's easy. <laughs> Feels like it, doesn't it? And what kind of person do you have to be to to do that. Kind? Yes. I mean, that that would be the answer, but... Gracious. I mean, like, more overarching. What kind of a person do you have to be? Okay. You might think of yourself. Appealing, that's good. But how about maybe you have to be a strong person? <laughs> but if you were to do that, you'd have to be strong, right, Gabe? Yeah. Or you'd have to, and I mean by, by strong, I mean that your being, your innermost being has to be strong. 
to do that. And maybe you even have to be a different person than you'd like to just let yourself be. You're kind of exercising some self-control, right? Again, that brings us back to that all these fruits of the Spirit kind of tie into each other, that they borrow from one another. And we will get to self-control eventually. That's one of the last ones. But that's what... Does everyone have temperance in their Bible? Yes. Yeah. That's the self-control one in the song. So... That part of being a different person, if you find that you struggle with it, maybe that's because you don't produce a lot of gentleness fruit. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, right? Or you're not at a certain level of gentleness fruit yet. You're still working on producing that. You're working really hard trying to make, I don't know, maybe it's an orange, whatever. But... Um, When thinking about this, about strong and weak and gentle and kind, I thought of an example that I think, I think almost all of you watched this movie, probably. And I'll let you guys try to guess what character I'm thinking of from this movie. In fact, we all watched it together this year. Not, I mean... I think most of you were. Are we guessing the movie? No, the character. But, I mean, you would have to guess the movie to guess the character. Yeah. Because his name is the title of the movie, right? Uh, Might be. Yeah. You know? I do. I don't want to spoil it. I know. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Is it Ferdinand? It is Ferdinand. Does everybody know that movie? Yeah. With the bull? Yeah, it's Okay. Right, we watched it at Friday night's kids night with Ferdinand the Bull. And you would describe him as gentle, right? Yes. He's Mr. I really like flowers, right? That was his I guess his sensitive side coming out. Yes, right? But what else was Ferdinand? Giant. He's giant. So he's actually really <laughs> physically strong, right? He was the strongest. When he got older. Yes, when he got older, obviously. You know. What else was he? What other is this? Oh, I'm here? Yeah. He was kind of scary. He's kind of sensitive. Sensitive. Yep. Pretty humble. Yep, he was. He was, he actually was quite humble, right? Gracious, very gracious to the, uh, the cow in the meat bag. Right. He was very gracious to all the other cows, right? He helped all of them out. A bull technically is now a cow, so... And who, who wanted to be between him and, in contrast, contrast Valiente, right? The, the mean bull, right? What was he like? He was like, you don't even get chosen. Oh, okay. Right. He was all that. He was all about, yes, he thought he was all that in a bag of chips. 
And it was all about him. He wanted to be the be- the best. He was the most violent in all of his actions. Yeah, and most of the time he was angry because his father wouldn't want to spend time with him. And who did all the other bulls want to be around? Their sons. No. I mean all the <laughs> the young bulls. Who did they want to be around? Except for him, they wanted to be around the Matador. Ferdinand. They all wanted to be around Ferdinand. Yeah. Ferdinand, in the end, was the one who was friends with everybody else. And it was really kind of sad because Valiente really didn't have any friends except for... Himself? Ferdinand, right? Ferdinand, Ferdinand still tried to help him in the end, even though he was mean to everyone. He was still kind to him. So... Yes. So that's a kind of a silly example, right? Has truth to it. I mean, that's why the story people like the movie because there's truth in it. But I will give you another another example that this is a real life example, an experience that I had, and I wa- while I was in the army. This I was part of this brigade that wasn't even my. It wasn't like an military police brigade that I was because I was military police but this was a armor brigade which meant that they had tanks so that was their big focus was tanks tanks we're strong we got big guns kind of thing and they the colonel that was the head of this brigade he was he was like the only way to describe him is that everybody was afraid of him in the entire unit. Like thousands and thousands of people, they as soon as they knew he was coming, it was like, make sure everybody's busy. Nobody's not doing anything. Get everything fixed to look perfect. Make sure the grass is cut. He's coming to visit today. And it was really because they were afraid. It had nothing to do with respecting him. And he would show up, and if he didn't like something, he would just fly off the handle, go into tirade he would force all the officers to do i don't know sprints or push-ups or yeah he would just embarrass people in front just because he didn't like that i don't know some chairs weren't perfectly in line or something and while i was i that was i observed all that while i was working as like the super lowly lieutenant at the top, at the head of the brigade, working in the offices there. And then I was able to go down to like be with the actual MPs, and we were like the redheaded stepchild of this unit. All right, nobody liked us, but they always called on us when they needed us to do stuff. And during that time, they had a change of command, which meant that this colonel was getting moved on to do something else, um, which. If you don't know if, if you're a, an actual colonel, like a full board colonel, that's one step before being a one-star general. So he was, you know, there's only a handful of these guys in the army. So they were going to have a change of command, and they had a new colonel that was coming in. And everyone is like, oh, we don't know what the new colonel's like. What's he going to like? When's, what's going to make him mad? What's going to make him make us do push-ups or... Uh, whatever else, or punish us in some way. And I never 
saw him for quite a while because I wasn't and even near the important people at the top that he interacted with just because of the way it was. But then he had, when he first got there, within a couple months, he said, I want all the leaders to get together. We're all going to do PT together, which is your physical exercise for the day. And he said, I want all the officers there and all the NCOs. So that's anybody who's in charge of like 10 people or more to show up. And there are probably, there are a couple hundred of us there. And his environment that I slowly learned after this was totally different. He would come and he would talk to people and he wouldn't talk down to you. He didn't act like he was way above you. He was extremely kind to everyone. He still got a lot of respect, but not because he forced you to respect him. And the interesting thing was at that PT session, the first time that he ever made a speech to all the leaders collectively, that he read like a whole half a chapter out of the Bible in his speech. He didn't, and it wasn't, he wasn't preaching. It kind of related because he was talking about we're all on this ship together and everybody grab a oar and we're going to work together on this. Everyone's going to put effort in. We're all equally important because he didn't think highly of himself. And he treated everyone kindly. So this, it was reminded me also of Ferdinand and Valiente. They both were these two people or the bulls where one demanded everyone's respect. I'm the best and you're going to respect me. The other one didn't really care about that. He just wanted to serve everyone else. He wanted to be useful to everybody else, to help everyone get along, to be kind to everyone. Um, so what does this then fruit gentleness also sound like there's another fruit that it's very very similar to it's okay if you cheat it does it's very it ties in a lot with meekness so what's meekness mean it's been a while since we talked about meekness but we talked about a lot when we talked about one certain person Moses. in the Bible. Moses, right? Moses was extreme, which if you didn't know this, because we did talk, we've talked extensively around this a couple times, but humble, being humble is also being meek. Or They're very similar. They're like cousins. You know, they're not apples to apples, or, or apples to oranges. They're like comparing plums and peaches. Or peaches and nectarines kind of thing. So if you, Moses was extremely meek. What do you know about Moses? Okay. Do you mean like he didn't have a loud voice? No, he like, he didn't, he didn't like to talk a lot. He didn't like... Didn't he have like a stutter? 
Um, he may have. We he said that he's not good at public speaking. That's how he described himself. So we're not really sure what that means. Could mean that he just got nerves and I don't know. He just didn't know what to say when he got up there. I don't know what it meant. Yeah, like uh, like stage fright. Yeah, kind of like that. Yep, he didn't like that kind of limelight. What else do you know about him? He saved the people that practiced saints in Egypt. Okay, so he did a pretty big thing, right? Real, like super famous, really important part in God's plan that he. Um, God used him to rescue all the people from Egypt. So that's an important thing, side note, to remember. God likes to pick meek people to do his jobs. Those are, a lot of times those are the people he picks. Um, let's turn to Numbers chapter 12. I'd go back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers. And we're going to be in chapter 12. And wherever we picked up, left off, we'll read verse 1 through 4. I might stop you in the middle. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Okay. Break for a second. So I'm going to paint the picture for you in case you don't know who all these people are. Miriam and Aaron are Moses' siblings. Miriam is his older sister and Aaron is his older brother. And Aaron has been helping Moses with all the plagues in Egypt, with leading them, the people out of Egypt. Miriam has also played a leadership role along with that. But Moses is still the one who God talks to directly and gives him all the direction of what to do. The buck still stops with Moses. Now, he marries what they say, say here is an Ethiopian woman. And that just means that she was not, or the important thing here is that she was not a Hebrew, okay? They were, their whole thing was, we only marry other Jews. We only marry other Hebrews, okay? And they were a little critical of that, they said. He thinks he's so great, and, but he married this Ethiopian woman. Miriam obviously had some issues with that. She didn't like her. And... Um, so they're complaining about this and they say, you know, Moses isn't the only person that God has talked to. He thinks he's so great walking around here, leading 2 million people through the desert. He's also spoken to me too. And it's true. She had prophesied as well. It's recorded there in the Bible. All right, let's continue on. Verse three. Um, yeah, now the man, Moses, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Okay, stop for a second. That's, that's a little comment there. That's like God saying, Miriam said he's not meek, that he thinks so greatly of himself, but really he's very meek. In fact, he's the meekest guy ever up to this point. Nobody else was 
as humble as Moses. All right, continue with verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they three came out. So God gets kind of angry with Miriam and Aaron. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to mean it this way. But he gets very angry and says, all right, you three, you need to come and see me. I'm going to talk to you. That's pretty big when God calls you directly and says, hey, you three come here. I'm going to talk to you. And essentially what happens is God says to them, comes down in the pillar of smoke like he did on top of the temple where they where they would go in and listen to God. And he says, Miriam, I don't like how you're talking about my servant Moses. You have the wrong attitude about this. And he struck her with leprosy, which is a rotting flesh disease that you get all over your body. Eventually, your flesh falls off of your hands. Your nose falls off. It's pretty awful. You Eventually, you die from it, from just rotting away. And Miriam instantly has it. And according to the laws, she has to go live outside of their camp now. She can't even be around anybody. One, because the disease is contagious. That's the main reason. And what do you think Moses' reaction to this is? Maybe you know. Gideon. Uh, don't do this to my sister. Yeah. He feels very sorry for his sister. He doesn't want this to happen to her. And what he does is he goes and he prays to God. And he says, please don't, or essentially, hold on, verse 13. Somebody read that. We'll just read it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. Yep. Continue on to 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. Yep. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Okay. So according to their rules, she has to be out for seven days, and then the priests can come and examine her skin, and if it's healed, then she can come back in and be among everyone else. She doesn't have to be quarantined anymore, essentially. And Moses is pretty upset about this. He, what, what's it mean to beseech somebody? To beseech. Like to beg someone? Yeah, you're, that's pretty, much, pretty close to what it means. It means to beg someone. You're pleading with someone. So he's pleading with God, please don't do this. Don't let Miriam. Because essentially this means she's going to die if she doesn't get better. And... God does, eventually, he does heal her. He brings her back in, which 
and allows her to, um, where she's totally healed and then comes back. But God was trying to make a point here about that you're not going to talk bad about the person that I've chosen, the person that I've anointed to be your ruler. Especially when what you're saying is not true at all. Because what Moses has dealt with, if you were to read the rest of the stuff that happened before this, was that they didn't have any water, and God told Moses what to do, told them to strike a rock, and they got water out of it in the middle of the desert. Enough water to feed a million people and probably two million animals. That's a lot of water in the desert. And then you know what they did right after that? They complained that they didn't have any good food. They didn't have any nice food that they liked. So God sent them the sweetest, best tasting bread ever. And they didn't even have to do anything. They just had to pick up the grains and make it into a cake. They didn't have to grow anything. They didn't have to weed weeds or plant seeds. They just got free grain that tasted kind of like honey. And you know what? That wasn't good enough. Then they complained and they said, Moses, how dare you bring us out here into the desert? We could be having cucumbers back in uh, Egypt. That's actually what they said. They said, we miss the cucumbers. Okay. So Moses, again, because out of the kindness of his heart, he says, goes and prays for them to God and says, God, would you send them some meat? So God sends them quails or some kind. It's a bird that they can just kind of pick up off the ground. Doesn't it's. No harder to catch than, I guess, a chicken. Maybe even easier. Yeah, it's being like if girls were still around. Yeah, something like that. And after a while, they don't like that anymore, and they complain about that. And by the way, their, their clothes and their shoes never wore out. The whole time they were in the desert. Luckies. Well, it wasn't lucky. That's what God did for them. They are. They should be grateful, I think, is your point, right? And they weren't. And Moses is dealing with these people that are the most annoying people ever. He just gives and gives. He's useful to them. And he gives, gives of himself. Over and over and over. And they're never thankful for it. You know what else is interesting? Do you notice what Moses didn't do when Miriam complained about him? He never told back at her. He never yelled at her. Yeah. Not even did he never yell at her. He never even defended himself in any way. He never said, well, that's not true. Or, you don't know what I do every day. You don't know what, what's in my heart. He never said any of that. Instead, he did. Instead, he leaned on God for his defense. 
I'm just going to read for you Psalm 18, verses 2 and 3. This was, this was what instead Moses relied on. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, which is a shield, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from mine enemies. He let God do all of that, all of his own defense for him. He was patient. Talk about patient, right? Incredibly patient, just like last week. He expressed his love through gentleness for the people. Um, I don't know how joyful he was. I'm sure he probably was, but he was definitely easy to be around. That's a hard thing to achieve, is to be easy to be around. Which means that you don't rub anybody else the wrong way. You don't, don't annoy other people. To the best of your ability, of course. So, how did Moses get like this? How did he become this kind of person? Yeah, exactly 40 years. When he was 40 years old, he was banished from Egypt and he lived in the desert for 40 years and tended sheep until he was 80. So him in the desert with a bunch of sheep and don't his wife was also a sheep herder, so he was probably had his wife there and eventually his kids. But just didn't see anybody for probably months and months out there with the sheep. 40 years of learning that God's spirit can work only when you surrender to it. Because he was not a very humble guy when he was 40. At the end of 40 years when he was 80, he was a really humble and meek guy. But it took a little bit. took a little work on him. Because what did, what did Moses do that caused him to go into the wilderness? Does anybody remember? Killed someone. He killed someone. Why did he kill someone? Anger. Oh, because he watched the guy beat up. He watched the guy. Oh, yeah. But did he beat him up or kill the other guy? He, he's whipping the, the slave. Right. He's someone. And he, was like, he watched what his own people, the Hebrews, right? He watched as an Egyptian that he had grown up around. You know, he had grown up as an, like an adopted son in the house of Pharaoh, the Egyptians. He watched one of those Egyptians whip one of his um, relatives. This was a slave. Watching him being whipped. And got so angry at that, at that injustice, that he just went and killed the Egyptian and then hit him in the sand. 
was his feeling of injustice wrong? No. No, but what he did was the wrong way to deal with it. Right. He was impulsive. He definitely wasn't kind, right? That's kind of like the opposite of kindness. They go and kill someone. That's like most people would think that nowadays it's pure straight up evil. Yeah, it's pretty evil. So God had a lot to work on with Moses to get him to a place. But Moses had to surrender. And I heard this recently. Um, I had heard it before, but I had forgotten about this saying. I couldn't even find who said it. So it'll go as anonymous. But this one guy used to say, um, I guess he signed off his letters when he wrote them to somebody else. Like, you know how sometimes people used to do this on like your text message at the bottom, your signature would have like a little quote or something. Sometimes people would do it in their email still. Well, his little sign off thing was be tough on yourself and tender on others. Tough on yourself, but tender towards others. Yeah, don't people usually say, don't be so hard on yourself? Yeah. He's basically saying, yeah. He said, hold yourself to a really high standard. Say, I want these fruits to come out in my life. I want to follow God, and I want to be part, have a part in his kingdom so much that those fruits are just exuding from me. And I'm going to give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. No matter how they act, I'm going to be tender towards them. I'm going to be kind towards them. Because that's exactly what God has done towards me. So, just stuff to think about. And we'll talk about another Fruit of the Spirit next week. Thanks, guys.